Welcome back to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. Is your home computer safe? What information do you store on your home computer or in other digital spaces? Uh, how safe is that information? It's We hear um, stories in the news all the time of information and, and security of that information um, being well, at risk. I know I have questions. Perhaps you do as well. To help us with those questions today, we have Dave Farquhar. He's technical account manager with Qualys. Dave, welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for inviting me to come on, Andy. It's uh, joy to have you here today. Yeah, uh, I've been an IT professional for about 20 years, and I specialize in a field of security called vulnerability management. And that's the technical term for what we'll be talking about today. Uh, I've done that, uh, done vulnerability management on government contracts, military contracts, and also for a Fortune 20 company. And today I'm working for Qualys. They are a, uh, a security company based out of California. We do vulnerability management for about 9,200 customers worldwide, including most of the Forbes Global 100 and the Fortune 100. So I manage 30 accounts for Qualys, all in the Midwest, and they're all large companies with more than 5,000 employees. And I'm really glad to be here today because security professionals like me talk about this stuff all the time amongst ourselves, but we're not doing any good talking amongst ourselves. We really need to be talking to people like you and your audience. And security is obviously very important to businesses when it comes to their their. Uh, their information systems and their online presence, anywhere that information is stored or kept, security is is, is important to businesses. Yes. As individuals with, with a personal computer uh, or even personal devices, we don't always think about that. I mean, sometimes we, we do, but we don't really know enough about it to think, okay, what's my next step? What should I be doing? Exactly. And uh, I think that a lot of times we do not have, we have the wrong kind of fear of computers. There's the, you know, fear is in, I'm afraid of it. And there's the fear that is a healthy respect, you know, like what we talk about in confirmation class. I remember pastor writing on the chalkboard, you know, when it comes to fearing God, fear is to have respect for. Mm -hmm. We did not have adequate respect for our computers and the damage that they can cause to us and to others. Frequently, when your computer gets hacked, it's not you who's the victim. It's somebody else who's the victim. So when Jesus talked about loving our neighbor, well, taking care of our computer is part of loving our neighbor. Sure, the information that's stored on our computer not only affects us. Great point. It affects others as well. Yes. When we share, when when we have someone else's information on there, it may be harming someone else. Yes. So I know that we have a lot to dig into today. I, I read the notes that you shared with me beforehand. There's a lot to dig into, and uh, for our listeners um, who are more visual, we're going to share some notes with them later as well. Give them access to some of these resources as well on. Online. So let's get to the, the first big question. How can I know how secure my home computer is? You know, a lot of us have a laptop or a desktop, some perhaps even multiple computers at home. We probably have, you know, tablets and, and mobile devices as well, which I know is a whole different uh, a whole different game in, in some aspects. But let's just talk about that typical home computer, maybe where uh, we do a number of things. We might do shopping. We we might manage our bills, uh, you know, the electric bill and our other utilities on there, and maybe some banking, things like that. Maybe kids are doing homework on there as well, and maybe some entertainment. 
uh, you know, that typical home computer. It's the sure multi-purpose thing. machine. It is. So there are several things that you need to do in order to know. Now, the good news is there's a very good chance that your home computer could be more secure than your computer at work if you're doing the right things. So this is a conversation I have all the time where, well, my home computer is fine. Why are all their computers at work a mess? How do we <laughs> get our Qualys scores down to something acceptable? Uh, and it's explaining to people that, hey, it's harder to manage 10,000 computers than one or 12 home computers at home. Um, some of us have that many. Uh, <laughs> hopefully not too many people in the audience. But So uh, the first question is, are you running a supported operating system? So if you have a PC, if you're running Windows 7, Windows 8.1, or Windows 10, you're okay. Uh, Windows 7 will be supported getting security updates for another two and a half years or so. Windows 10 will be supported for another eight and a half years. So uh, if you have a Windows 7 computer, you've got a couple of years to get upgraded to Windows 10. But if you're running Windows 10 now, chances are Windows 10 will still be getting support long after you're not using that computer anymore. And Windows 8.1 is kind of in between. It's in between. Uh, frankly, you will, you'll be happier with Windows 10 than you would be with 8.1. That was why they rushed Windows 10 out. Um, so my, my computer automatically upgraded to Windows 10. Yes. That was a whole <laughs> other controversy. Um, we probably don't have time to get into that here, but uh, in some ways that was a good thing, but it caught a lot of people by surprise. Absolutely, absolutely. But that that, that brings us to automatic updates. Yes. Uh, can we talk about Macintoshes before we talk absolutely. about sure. uh, automatic updates? So on Macs, the situation's a little bit different. Apple releases the operating systems much faster than Microsoft does, but still the rule is three. With Microsoft, it varies as to how many. But uh, with Apple, if you are running Sierra, El Capitan, or Yosemite on your Mac, you're okay. Now, Apple releases a new operating system every 12 to 15 months historically, at least going back to 2011. So we can assume that that pattern will continue. Sierra just came out so we can expect that there will be a new Mac OS in about a year or so. At that point in time, if you're still on Yosemite, you've got a problem. So you always want to be on top of whatever the, you want to be aware of what the current operating system is and the, the time frame on the one that you have, yes. that you currently have, if you don't have the newest one. Yes. Because that, what happens if you're not on top of that? If, you're, if you don't have the, the current or the, the second most current? So uh, when it falls out of support, you don't get those security updates anymore. So if you have a Windows XP computer at home, if you have a version of Mac OS that's named after a cat, <laughs> those aren't getting support. Those aren't getting those upgrades. They haven't gotten those upgrades for several years. Now, sometimes there's a piece of software that we need that doesn't run on a newer system. That's okay. Just, you know, just don't go online. Don't Fire up your web browser and don't check your email on that computer anymore. Uh, but I have plenty of things that only run on an older system. So I have one older system that I use for those things, and that's all that I use it for. So we're talking about if you have some specific application, some legacy software that, exactly. that's not going to work with newer versions of, of new, newer operating systems, it, keep, you can keep that computer, keep that system, but don't do online yes. activity exactly. on that 
keep that strictly for that application. It's time to uh, to look at upgrading, getting an, a, a a system, a newer system that can handle the newer operating system. Yes. yes, and if you can't afford to go and buy a new $500 computer or a new $1,000 computer, um, go to an independent computer store, something along the lines of ECP Computers in Overland. Uh, they will sell you a refurbished, uh, usually business class computer, so they're good, reliable machines, about $150, and it'll have a new copy of Windows on it. And so that will be good for several years. And that is actually a higher quality computer than that $400 office supply store special. So handy little tip there. Yes, very much so. That is actually what I have, like my family members who live somewhere outside of St. Louis. That's actually what I recommend that they buy. Especially if you are a, a, uh, a multi-computer household, you've got kids on, you know, on computers for yes. homework purposes. Yes. Um, Trying to find an affordable way to have everybody on a computer, I'm sure, is yes. important. My kids have $100 ThinkPads, but they're ThinkPads. They're right. good machines. Mm-hmm. They're just several years old, but okay. they're running Windows yeah. 10, and uh, they're secure. And they meet all the needs that everyone They sure has. do. Yeah, my uh, Actually, my uh, my first grader has a nicer computer than I have right now. Now, having a machine that's that, that someone else has used before, does that create some questions regarding security? No big deal because when they refurbish it, part of the process of being a Microsoft authorized refurbisher is they wipe the hard drive and they put a fresh operating system on it. So there, there's no chance of, uh, of uh, you know, someone else getting access to your information. As long as you're getting as your automatic updates. As long as you're doing your updates. So let's talk about that. Okay. So your automatic updates. If you're running Windows 10 it is nearly impossible to disable those automatic updates. So mm-hmm. you're good. If you're running Windows 7, it's very difficult to disable automatic updates. You know if you did it. So if you know that you disabled those, go back and re-enable them. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're good. <laughs> uh, on Macintoshes, there is an option. If you go and you fire up the App Store and go into the System Preferences... There are three options that I want you to look at. So one of them is a checkbox to install security updates. I want you to check that box. There's another box for updating your uh, the operating system itself. I can go either way on that one. If you want to be cutting edge, be one of the first people on the new operating system, sure, go ahead and check that box. If you want to wait and see how other people are doing with it, leave that box unchecked. There's a third box in there to update the applications that you download from the App Store. I recommend that you check that box as well. So uh, if you update or check those two boxes, your Mac is very secure. So if you, what if you have this philosophy of not being an early adopter? Sure. (laughs) And you want to always, anytime new, uh, either new operating system comes out or or application updates as well. you want to wait a little bit and see if they work out the bugs first. Sure. So when it comes to the operating system itself, I tend to wait about a year. So mm-hmm. I installed Windows 10 after it had been out for about a year. I did have it running on one machine out of curiosity, but not one that I used on a regular basis. Um, and for Mac users, you can do the same thing very safely. Uh, for applications, 
I actually do recommend that you do the updates. The reason being that the reason the update exists in the first place is because of bugs. So do you want the bugs that the bad guys know about? Do you want the bugs that the bad guys don't know about yet? I want the bugs that the bad guys don't know about. <laughs> well, let's, uh, can we talk about the bad guys and sure. what it is that they're they're going after, or am I jumping ahead too far? Well, uh, we're jumping ahead a okay. little bit. We'll come so, to that then in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let me talk about applications for uh, just one more minute, and then we'll talk about the bad guys. <laughs> so, uh, there are some applications that aren't that exist outside of the App Store. So, um, we've got two tools that will help you with that. First thing, I'm going to plug my employer. So, Qualys has a product called Qualys Browser Check. It's free. It's an extension that loads into your web browser, and it tells you if your web browser is updating successfully, and if your plugins like Adobe Flash and Adobe Reader that hook into your web browser are updating properly. If they are not, then it gives you a visual warning that something is wrong so you can go do something before something bad happens. Now, what about your Office suites and that other software that may exist outside of the App Store? Uh, there's another vendor, Flexera Software. They have a free home use product. You can only use that product uh, at home. They have a business class product that they want you to buy for business and this kind of advertises it. But what it will do is go and update everything that either doesn't auto update on its own or fails to auto update. And if it finds something that it can't update for some reason, then it gives you a pop-up and says, hey, I can't update this, click here, gives you a link to download the update, and then you can run it. Then you know that that software is up to date. And I know that you won't do this on your own because when it was my job to keep up with all this stuff, I had a huge whiteboard and I still couldn't keep track of all of it. Wow. So having a piece of software that keeps track of that for you definitely helps. So keeping things, keeping your software up to date, whether it's applications or uh, or the, the operating system, keeping that up to date is going to make a, a difference in how secure your computer is. Exactly. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Let's talk about the bad guys. So yeah, how easily can somebody get into my information, get into my, my home computer? If those updates aren't happening, it is far, far too easy. And this is going to scare you and it should scare you. Um, first, let me talk about what a hack actually looks like, because I don't think most of my colleagues do a real good job of explaining this sometimes. So normally programs are programs and data is data. So you'll have like Microsoft Word sitting mm -hmm. over here and you have a document that you load into Microsoft Word. Now, what if I can take a program that gives me access to your computer and hide that in that Word document? You load that document into Microsoft Word, my program runs up against a bug in Microsoft Word that tricks Word into launching that program. So Word crashes, or it may only partially crash, partially misbehave. You don't really know what's going on, but in the meantime, this malicious program has run, and now the bad guy is on your computer. So... That's what it looks like. So if I, and the scenario I'm going to describe now, this is purely hypothetical. I would never do this to anybody. It would be the end of my career. I'd never work in this town again or this industry again, but I have to be able to explain this. So if I have it out for you, Andy, <laughs> here's how I would go about 
getting onto your computer. So um, I would have to come up with my hack. That would take me about an hour to do. So not a big deal. Uh, so now if I email this to you and you get this email from this Dave guy that you just met asking you to open this document, you're probably not going to do it. At least I hope not. So, uh, and don't open email attachments from strangers, please. I think that that's something everybody knows, but if you're not sure, don't open email attachments from strangers. So, um, if I'm going to be a good, effective bad guy, <laughs> what I need to do is find somebody you know. And if I really have it out for you, I can probably find somebody that we both know, because if I have it out for you, there's a reason. So I went on Facebook, and I punched your name in, and I found two people we know, that we both know. And one of them, I came up with a pretty good scenario right away. I know he's in seminary. So if he's in seminary, he's probably writing sermons from time to time as part of his class. So, well, if he were to email you and say, hey, Andy, I've got this sermon that I wrote, uh, and I'd really like your thoughts on it, you probably would open that email. You probably would open it and expect to uh, need to respond to it. And you'd probably do it fairly quickly. So... I would then go and register a Gmail account or a Hotmail account under his name, write up that story that I just told you, attach that file, now I need to send it to you, except I don't have your email address. That's the hardest part, is getting your email address. I could probably go and find it without you knowing about it, might take me a week or so, um, or I could just ask Alex. Alex might give it to me. Uh, if I have some random person call the studio and ask you for your personal email address, you might give it to them. Uh, the answer is always no if I don't ask. I'm not reading any sermons from Alex. <laughs> I figured it out. <laughs> so when you... Uh, you did your homework. <laughs> and it took all of 30 seconds yeah. to find his name and about two minutes for me to think of that scenario. So it is extremely easy. Now... That's not normally how these things go down. So because it takes a little bit of time to once you're on your computer and in this scenario, basically what would happen is you would open that uh, you would open that attachment and I would have a command prompt on your computer. I could list all of your files, pull down anything that looks interesting and you would never know. But finding what the most valuable file is in there would be difficult. And then I've got to find somebody to sell it to. It's a whole lot more effective for me to sell your data back to you. So... Can you ex unpack that a little bit? Yes. What do you mean? Sell it back to me. So, it's my information. Yes. Yeah, so the typical... The way these typically go down now is that you get a notice that all of your files on your computer have been encrypted with a password. And... You need to pay me $250 in digital currency, untraceable, of course, to get a password to get your files back. And you'll probably have a deadline of maybe two weeks, maybe 30 days to go and do that. And as the, uh, as the deadline approaches, the price may go up to incentivize you to pay the ransom early. Now, is it, I mean, are, are these typically appearing as a ransom? Are they like using a, you know, a, 
a uh, you know like a, a pretend brand name, like it's some sort of protection software for your computer, and that your information has been secured somewhere else because the you know we we we've protected your information somewhere else. Is it that type of scenario, or does it really appear like? You're, we're holding your information hostage. It is more like you know, we are holding your information hostage. So when you see it, you get a message on your computer that states that here's... <laughs> we're hackers and we stole your information. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is that blatant. And frequently, there is a support number to call. Now, when you call that support number, that is to help you get that digital currency. So they actually have a support line to help you get that digital concern, uh, digital currency because you wouldn't know how to go and buy Bitcoins to go and pay for this. Um, if they say the and there's fake ransomware as well. And when that happens, they will call and uh, or when you call them, they will assist, uh, uh, offer to assist you in cleaning your computer. Those are scams. When that happens, just restart your computer run a virus scan, it will scan clean. I can almost guarantee that. If the message pops up again that your files are encrypted and uh, we want Bitcoins, then that's a pretty good indication that you have actual ransomware. So what do you do in that scenario? Unfortunately, what you have to do is either pay the ransom or hopefully you have backup copies and can restore your backups. I would much rather you restore backups than give $250 to a criminal. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we only have uh, just a few minutes left, about uh, three and a half, four minutes left here. How do I, how do I avoid that? How do I make sure that I'm keeping my information safe? What can I do to improve the security? Okay, so flying through this. First thing is, uh, let's talk about passwords for a minute. Get yourself a password manager. Stop using Bible verses as passwords. They make lousy passwords for any number of reasons that we don't have time to get into, but the biggest problem is we only use about 20 or 30 of them. And when it comes to passwords themselves, we use a very limited number of the billions of passwords that are possible. So get a password manager. LastPass, 1Password, and KeyPass are three that I recommend. What do those do? They, they will set random passwords for you and store them for you. So you sign in and it will issue those or it will enter those passwords for you when you sign into Facebook at that point. Um, so when you have that pa- or, or any other website that's important to you. So when you do that, uh, these passwords typically have a, you know, will be good for decades as opposed to like a year. So there is no reason to change your passwords after you do this. So you won't have to worry about coming up with new passwords after this. Password changing is obsolete. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> so the, the next thing that, uh, that I would like for you to do is if you have specific documents on your computer that have sensitive information in them, load them up. Go and do the save as. Make sure you're saving them in something newer than Office 2003 format. So change that to the a new modern file format. Then check the box that says uh, secure this document with a password. That is very secure. That is military-grade encryption. So save that file. Delete the original unencrypted one. Those files are now safe. Lastly, make backup copies. So... Uh, if you have a fair bit of money to spend, 
There's a service called Carbonite that will go and automatically back you up into the cloud. And their most expensive option even has a courier service if you need it. If you don't want to spend that kind of money, here's the cheap option. Get yourself some cloud storage, something like Box or OneDrive or Google Drive. Copy your documents folder onto that. Then copy them onto an external hard drive. Unplug that external hard drive, store it in your basement. Then copy them onto some USB thumb drives. Do the same thing. Store one of those in your basement. Ideally, find a friend who lives somewhere outside of, the, of you know, where you live and have them store yours and do them the favor and store theirs for, uh, for them. So we're talking about documents that have a, a lot of sensitive and important information. These are like long-term documents that well, you would... and anything that's important to you. So mm -hmm. the idea being, if you were to get ransomware, if your laptop got stolen, if it just conks out and the computer store says there's nothing we can do, you know, the hard drive is dead. You've replaced the hard drive, reinstall the operating system, restore your backup, and you can start over again. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking those, I mean, there are some documents that you're going to be accessing more frequently than you know, what you would on a, on a, you know, a jump drive or a thumb drive that you're sending sure. to a friend somewhere. Sure. So if the document isn't terribly sensitive, doesn't have your social security number in it, I wouldn't bother with the encryption. Gotcha. But if you've got a document that has your social security number, your insurance policies and all that, absolutely encrypt that document. All very helpful tips today. If I know that there is plenty more, we could probably go on for a couple hours in terms of <laughs> being Easily. safe. Uh, so we're going to share some links to uh, these tips that you've shared with us today. We'll, you've put them on a blog, so we'll share a link to that with the archive of today's program on our website as well, kfuo.org. Dave Farquhar, thanks so much for being my guest today, Technical Account Manager with Qualys. It's a, man, very insightful. I appreciate it. Thank you, Andy. Coming up in just a little bit, Thy Strong Word, right here on Worldwide KFUO. Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at kfuo.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.